This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 206. And the quote of the day is from Byrne William, who said, Man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hey, I got a couple emails where people were asking me if I had, you know, a certain someone on the podcast, whether I, it was Stanton Moore or Jojo Mayer or whatever. And the most 50 recent episodes are always on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, all that stuff. But all 200 plus episodes are at drummersresource.com. And it, it's a technical thing, and I'm not going to go into why there's only 50 on there. But once you get to Drummer's Resource, instead of sifting through all those pages, on the top right-hand side of the website, there's a search function. So you can actually go in there and just search for any artist or any topic that you're looking for. So again, they're all on Drummer's Resource. But the most, only the most recent 50 are, uh, are on iTunes and Stitcher and all that stuff. So I hope that helps. Also, if you're tired of getting passed over for the gigs that you deserve, learn how to master the secret weapons for getting higher profile gigs, more exciting gigs, and higher paying gigs. And I sent out a five-part email series about this. And if you missed it or you, or you haven't gotten it or you're not on the mailing list, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, and I'll send that whole entire five-part interview or uh, email series to you for free. So it's just drummersresource.com forward slash gigs. If you didn't get it this week or you want to check it out and you're not on the mailing list, just head over there, drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, and you'll be on your way to bigger and better gigs. Now, let's get into the interview today. So this interview is with Billy Ward. And for those of you who don't know who Billy Ward is, he sort of, he was a prominent member and a prominent figure in the drumming community for years and sort of fell off the face of the earth for a little while uh, from 2008 on and is sort of is now having a resurgence. And there's a reason why this whole thing happened. And he talks about it in this, in this interview. So we get pretty deep into that stuff as well as some great practice routines and he talks about mechanics and and a bunch of different things we even talk a little bit about baseball and all kinds of stuff but this is a really great interview for numerous reasons it tackles some life things it tackles a lot of drumming things and also i'm glad that billy is back on the scene and he is an amazing drummer he gets a ton of praise from a lot of very influential drummers he's taught a lot of influential drummers and is just an amazing player and a great human being and i'm glad that he is he's back on the scene and he's coming back with a vengeance with a bunch of new projects and things like that so without further ado let's get into it with the one and only billy ward Billy, how are you? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hi, Nick. I'm I'm very flattered. Thank you. I'm um, I'm flattered that you would you would uh, be part of this podcast for numerous reasons, uh, and I want to for th- there's I'm guessing that there's not a lot of people that are listening who don't know who you are, uh, but for the people who don't, or maybe some people who have heard your name in passing, let's just build a little bit of context of of who you are. I mean, you've done. All sorts of amazing things, and we don't have to get super deep into it, uh, and we will as, as the interview goes on, but let's just give a little bit of backstory about sort of who you are and, and where you come from. Okay. Okay, sure thing. Um, 
Well, the joke is that I should now say that I'm the drummer, ex-drummer from Black Sabbath, uh, but I'm not. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I was Bill when I was, uh, I was Billy when I was little, and then I couldn't wait to become Bill. But then I uh, married my wife, like uh, now it was 30-something years ago, and she looked at me and said, you're having way too much fun to be a Bill. You have to be a Billy now. So that's how I became Billy. And, it, and I, I keep hoping that people get it, that Billy Ward is not the drummer from Black Sabbath. And Bill is. He's an incredibly nice English gentleman. And uh, I wish Sabian had taken me up when I was a Sabian artist. I wanted them to do an ad, uh, kind of like the Miller Lite ads, where he, he says, uh, sounds great. And then I say, less filling. <laughs> but... <laughs> But they never took us up on that. And uh, anyway, I. Uh, you could use that I'm, as sort of like your tagline, you know, just Billy Ward, <laughs> Billy Ward. And then underneath, not the drummer from Black Sabbath. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it, would, it would cause all sorts of, you know, people would talk. It would be like your, it would be like a thing. People would go around and there'd be all this mystery behind it. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well, you know, I, uh, I think everybody's life is interesting. Um, and, and so I guess I, I, I'm, I think my life is interesting, so I'm willing to share some of it. The, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, I went to the conservatory at the University of Cincinnati for uh, a year and a half. It was more so to uh, get out of having to go to Vietnam, which my, with my parents' support, uh, we just didn't want me to get over there, and I had friends in high school who were dead, who were dying, and and uh, so on the day I I did learn a lot at the conservatory. It was wonderful. Um, I also learned that I'm a horrible mallet player. As much as I love marimba, I just uh, I don't have any natural skills on that instrument. I thought I was breaking. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> It's heartbreaking to me. I always, I always thought, you know, hey, when I'm an old guy, I'll have a marimba and I'll just play Bach sweet, you know, stuff and, you know, handle sonatas and, and chill, you know. Right. Well, not going to happen unless I practice for nine months and learn one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, then I went on. To, I, I, I got a good number and I quit the conservatory, but I had friends at North Texas State. I went down there and I took one class and at that age, I knew everything, of course, and so I quit school and worked in the Dallas area and played concerts at North Texas. A lot of people think I went to school there longer. I played in official concerts. I don't know how that went down, but it did. Um, overall, the security in our country has changed since then. Right. Um, so so was nowadays, that, you don't... Was yeah. that... Because wasn't there a change, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, there was a change no. in... There was, is that Texas Tech or North Texas Tech? No, it's North, North Texas, the University of North Texas State. Te okay. No, NTSU, North, North Texas State University. It's where, like, like, like uh, Keith Carlock went today. Yeah, yeah, For one. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was uh, Berkeley and North Texas were the two big jazz schools mm -hmm. and perhaps still are. Right. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really know. Um, and I wanted to go to Berkeley, but my parents couldn't afford it, and uh, they only offered a partial scholarship. And Cincinnati University uh, College Conservatory offered a full scholarship, so it was a no-brainer for me. 
um, to go there because I could stay in the bands that I was in and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that led to my eventual moving to New York and uh, working. And in the beginning, I was I thought of myself as a jazz musician. And uh, even though I grew up, uh, James Brown's probably one of my biggest influences, uh, but I've got a lot of wide influences. Let's just leave it at that. You know, mm -hmm. I love Keith Moon as much as I love Elvin Jones and, you know, Ringo. So um, uh, I ended up doing lots of diverse work. And, and that so that entailed, uh, I never really remember, but like I remember in the mid 80s uh, working one year, I was I was working with Bill Evans, the Bill Evans super group and uh, Yoko Ono and Ace Fraley. And um, uh, so and then after that, it was a bunch of other things. I had to go online to see, but, you know, I ended up working in in L.A. as much as New York. I did, like, a lot of film soundtracks uh, and then, you know, worked with Robbie Robertson extensively for about a half a year in pre-production for his record Storyville and then worked on the record, which was an awesome thrill for me because Robbie really likes his drummers and... Uh, he had a lifetime of of Levon with him and uh, Levon Helm, and and so pretty neat, pretty neat to to get the old guy standing up and sweating and smiling at you sometimes. <laughs> uh, and and then and then uh, lots of other stuff. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've since worked, I did a record or two with the Knack. Uh, Don was produced record. Um, Rick Springfield. Uh, you probably have a list that I don't have. Uh, Chris Whitley. Well, I know Richard like, Marks, you did some stuff with Joan Osborne Simon, and B.B. King. Joan Osborne, B.B. King, yeah. That's the last, uh, that that was like right before, uh, I think, you know, basically before the shit hit the fan and, right. and my wife took ill and all that. So, yeah, B.B. was awesome. Uh, you know, the old jazz guy, or I mean blues guys, well, jazz guys too, but the blues guys, your drummer, that's your name. Hey, drummer. Right. BB learned my name, knew it immediately, and called me Billy throughout the three days we were together. And uh, even on, and on the second day, invited me to his home in Memphis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like such a cool, sweet, gentle soul. Just the real deal. Boy, oh boy. It was great. Huh. I have, there was a guitar player that I play with who, uh, sort of like snuck in somehow to his he bb was on a show and his girlfriend was like the makeup artist at the time this was years ago and uh -huh. sort of a similar story of of how how nice he was and and he said that you know he went in and played in front of him and and he played all these notes and he said what are you what are you playing all those all those notes for he's like you can he's like you only need he's like you only need one note to say something or something, yeah. something along those lines. But he said he was like really nice and like got you know asked him his name and 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 when he was leaving, addressed him by his first name and everything. So that's that's not the first story that I've heard of him being a very very awesome human being. So yeah, that's good to yeah. hear. Yeah, you, you think you, you, anybody that bends bends that string sharp is uh, owes that note to BB King. Right. He's <laughs> really something. He's really something. So what was the what was the journey like going from, you know, figuring out what you want to do in college and all of that to, say, working with B.B. King? And that's such a long, 
you know, that's such a, a long road. Well, but can you just talk about how you sort of navigated even to get into that into that stratosphere of player? Well, um, it would have been a lot faster and easier for me if I had uh, stuck with a particular style of music. Um, Cause in general, uh, uh, if you're, if you're playing, for instance, heavy rock, they don't want to know that you've done jazz gigs and vice versa, you know? Um, and there's snobbery in music, you know, like in jazz, the phrase is, Oh, he doesn't swing and in rock. The phrase is he doesn't rock. Um, the biggest obstacle I had was musical because I was a jazz drummer more than a rock drummer at that point. Um, I was full of notes. <laughs> I was full of, I had 10 times more notes than any normal person would ever want to have, but I had them. And, <laughs> and they were ready to hop out of my suitcase in a moment's notice. And uh, so this gig, this gig pays by the note, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, it's like, wait till you hear the shit I got for you, you know? Um, <laughs> that's the that's the uh, youthful thing, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so selfish. Anyway, I was selfish. But the big obstacle for me, besides being selfish, was that in jazz, uh, and this was an interesting lesson, really, um, you can – you can mess with the time very specifically, not a problem, as long as the feel remains solid and the same. In other words, or not even solid is not the word, but, but equally fluid. Uh, the feel has to be there. Uh, and, and in popular music, as I started playing it, um, uh, I realized, you know, I mean, you know, uh, producers were discovering click tracks and drum machines. And it was like, wow, I guess this guy doesn't have any time. I thought he was a good drummer. And what I discovered with was that it's opposite in rock. Well, well in jazz, while you mess with the time, but hold on to the feel in rock, you mess with the feel, but the time is bank. It's the cement foundation, you know, upon mm -hmm. which everything is built. And, and it just, really messed with my body. And, and I, I did a record uh, for a little known artist named Dean Friedman, uh, who had some hits. He had one hit in the States, it's like 79 or something, uh, called Ariel, and uh, later some hits in England. Um, and I did a couple of records, I think, with him. And I learned at, this, at, a, at my first recording with him at Lay Studio that, you know, man, I needed, I needed to learn to have better time and uh, the producer was stopping tape and going, Billy, you got to hit the drums harder. You know, you, you're not. So I really had to turn my playing around. Uh, it was like a 180. And, and uh, it was very satisfying to, to go through that, that course that I taught myself to do. Hmm. In other words, and, and, and if it had been easy for me, I wouldn't have been able to teach anything about time. Right, <laughs> right. How can I, how can you teach something if it's just inherently, you know, if you didn't have to work to get it, how are you going to teach somebody else to work hard to get it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's because of that, because of that travel that I went through that I felt so confident as to make uh, my first video big time, um, which, which I know has helped a lot of people. And I'm, I'm super proud of that. So you would mention that, 
you think your career would have been you would have made progress a lot faster had you focused on one style of playing versus trying to be a general so i i guess because i there's always conflicting ideas of you should be a generalist and you should know everything or you should be a specialist and really hone in on one thing and don't worry about everything else and i go back and forth on that a lot and for me, I think that you should learn everything. And then some days I'm like, man, if I could just be that guy that gets the call for this thing, I think I, I you know, so what's your opinion on that? Well, I think it's, I think it's natural to have that feeling at times. I mean, you know, that's, you know, and that's what I meant as well. I'm not saying specifically it's just, but that's a feeling. Sometimes I feel that way more, more than anything. I sort of own my successes and failures, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, most of them, I brought them on myself. Some of them were, you know, I didn't have the right pants on, uh, you know, or, <laughs> uh, my laugh was too hysterical and, you know, high pitched and insane sounding and it, or, you know, or, you know, dude snores on the bus or whatever, you know, there's all these different reasons for which you can get hired or fired. Uh, that are kind of nonsense, but um, uh, I think, I mean, what's important is to do, in a way, I, uh, I, I, I would have liked to have stuck more to what I love doing, um, only there, there's commerce, and, you know, you have to eat, and you have to pay rent, and I'm from Ohio, damn it, you know, we take care of bills. <laughs> so, right. I'm in New York City, and you know, I need to make some money. And, and, uh, the first, you know, my first gig with Dean Friedman, which was like crossover from after playing, you know, basically dingy jazz clubs in New York city, um, was, was the concert with like probably 3000 people. And we started a song and they all went nuts. And it was like, what's what's so wrong about this? You know, it, it was, it's kind of satisfying. It's fine to have your gear set up for you and and to make more than forty dollars or something, you know, yeah. whatever it is. So, you know, I had a jazz gig that paid a dollar thirty three. I mean, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> my friend said he goes, Yeah, man, I remember when those gigs paid two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always a it's always an interesting thing because and I you know I think that that people struggle with this and tell me if you did, too, where at a time, you know, you're like, oh, I just love playing and that's all I care about. But then at some point, you sort of have to cross that line and say, OK, if I want to do this professionally, I got to make money and I have to make sign- not significant amount of money, but like I need to make more than three thousand dollars a year playing. Yeah. And yeah. Did you ever struggle with sort of like the art and the commerce like oh, I'm selling out and I'm playing this? you know, because I need the money kind of thing. Well, it's funny. Well, I'm always, I've always been a team player. So it was more like, um, my employer, you know, I never, you know, like, uh, playing with an artist, I'm working with her, we're touring or him. And it's like, why, why don't you make a better record? You know, (laughs) why don't you write, you know, you're writing all these songs because you want the publishing, but if you brought in good writers, like real writers, you know, and people are co-writing with you because they are trying to climb on to your ladder and, and you just want the publishing money. I mean, wh- you know, why don't you just make a really great record? Cause you could, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, but this is not going to be one. And, and my problem there socially is just, I don't have a poker face. People know when I don't like something and yeah. I can't help it. And, and it makes me a very bad side man. And most of my career, I've been a side man. So, you know, so there you go. They've got the people I've lasted with have, have strong resolution in what they're doing. Cause they, and they can put up with, with my shit, you know, my, <laughs> my audition with Joan Osborne was was a lunch a pers- and I sat down and, and right up front I told her I go I think I have a philosophy about I have two problems with taking this gig and she said what's that I said first is when I'm on a tour and I have to play the same notes every night I get in a rut and I want to kill myself and she says oh it doesn't have to be the same as long as it's good I went great well I have a second one she goes what's that I have this philosophy that when God gives you a great voice, he takes away your brain cells. And she looked at me. She wrote about this. It's the foreword to my book that, that's out. One of the She contributed the foreword and tells the story. And according to her, then she, in the, what she wrote was, and I kept looking at him, expecting him to smile, but he was dead serious. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. And, of course, she, she looked at me and said, uh, well, I'm going to change your mind about that. And... I'll keep my comments on that private, but uh, on what happened, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that girl can really sing though. And I really, I really do love her. She's yeah. really cool. <laughs> but I do, I do believe that God that takes away brain cells. <laughs> yeah. You either get one or the other. You can think or you can, th- or you can sing. You can't do both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's anyway. It's a trip, man. So I want to switch. I want to switch gears a little bit. I was talking to uh, my buddy Daniel Glass last night, and he wanted me to say hello and said that. And I wanted to put this out publicly that he said he really admires everything, everything that you do. Um, oh, he's great too. And yeah, you said, and he said something about you have like this drummer lunch or drummer. Thing? Yeah, yeah. What's that? Drum about? club. Okay, well, for me, my I experienced it in. In 88, I, I got a Rick Springfield gig and we rehearsed and it turned out that the tour got canceled. He got hurt and all kinds of goofy shit happened. But um, the, the, I, my one friend on going out there was Don Perry from New York. He's the drummer in Jethro Tall. And Don connected me. Well, first I was living with Jack Sawney as, as we were rehearsing with Rick, but and when the tour got canceled, I came back. But then a producer who heard me rehearsing with Rick wanted me to do a record, a Mark Jordan record. So I went back out there. And all of a sudden, Gary Chang had me doing his film scores. And I ended up doing 50 or, I don't know, 60. And, and I'm doing these records, and I needed a place to crash, you know. And mm-hmm. my wife and her art career was still in New York City. So I became Mark Cranny's roommate. And uh, Mark is was is such an amazing influence upon me uh and one of which was the woodland hills drum club and which which was originally formed to raise money for mark uh uh-huh. initially by myron and greg bissonette myron grumbacher there's something and, about that woodland hills area there's so many drummers that live in that like woodland hills thousand oaks sort of Yes. That yes. Area. Side note. So I, if anybody's a drum or if anybody's thinking of moving to north of L.A. and you're a drummer, go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're making really good money, you move to Thousand Oaks and at this point. But I think but it's, it's really it's, that's where it's at. I mean, yeah, 
And so the drum club was basically just lunch. I mean, Mark would just call it. He'd go, club lunch. And, you know, sometimes he inappropriately uh, would call it fag lunch. And so we would go and and eat and make fun of whoever wasn't there or was there. <laughs> and it was great. And so when I moved back to New York uh, and Louis Appel, who was a great drummer in, in the New York local scene and uh, ended up dying. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm only laughing because, you know, it's, it's a pretty prevalent word in my uh, in my lexicon lately. Right. <laughs> anyway, so Louis Louis played his heart out on a gig in Vegas, and then went to bed and never woke up. Uh. And, but Louis w- looked at me and said, "You got to start the club here. You, we need a drum club." And so I did. At Louis's insistence, and it's not that I'm really there's no head honcho, there's no special uh, moose hat or anything, uh, and you don't have to be a celebrity or a. Uh, even a bet, you don't have to be a badass. You can absolutely suck and come, and that's the whole point. Uh, Perfect, I'm just, in. <laughs> it, it's just what it is, and we eat, and and it's like Al-Anon for drummers. We eat, and we commiserate on whatever we need to do. You, so, you know, often it's talking about either terrible gigs, terrible singers, terrible guitar players, or you can always fall back on whoever's not there and and make fun of them. So it's a great group, and and uh, you know, could the regulars? It could be anywhere from eight to fifteen. Every time it's eight to fifteen. Sometimes it's more, and we have a particular place where we go and do it, and and they're okay with us ranting in the middle of their uh, restaurant, and so it's just a blast, and it's a fun thing to do, and I everybody should do it in their nice. in their neighborhood. You'd be surprised, it you know leads to camaraderie and 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 you might even get a gig. You know somebody needs a drummer or a sub, and well I you know this guy's nice and gave me half his cheeseburger. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a fun thing. That's awesome. That's yeah, all, yeah, he t- he was telling me about it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I got to ask him about it. Um, another th- so this is like I guess this is like the public praise hour. Uh, so I was talking to um good friends with Dylan Wissing. He's a he's a drummer. He's won you know he's played on a bunch of Grammy award winning records and wow. on a bunch of like multi platinum selling records. But he also took lessons from you uh, a few times, and he said that he had the he had he took two lessons. He said he had the best two lessons of his life with you, and you gave him all the tools that for his career that he has today. And he said that your your mechanisms concept concept is brilliant, and it's how he learned to play like a pro. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, he's a talented guy, man. Let's face it. And and uh, I do believe in mechanisms. And if if you're having trouble, there's always the natural guy, you know, mm-hmm. that just really. They just sit down and it's groovy, you know, but, but some of us from day to day or song to song find a little obstacle in our body, like a hiccup. Right. And we can't afford hiccups as drummers. And so, uh, would you equate that to sort of like a, are you, are you a baseball fan? I'm a massive baseball fan. Okay. Reds fan. Massive. Yes. Reds fan. And I did get the word mechanisms from Tom Seaver talking about pit. 
talking about pitching. Okay, I was actually going to ask if, like, well, I know, yeah, there's, like, pitching mechanics, but I was going to ask if you meant sort of like a hitch in someone's swing. If that's ah well, there's that's right. There's hitting mechanics, but but Tom was sort of like always. I should say I don't know him. So I'll say Mr. Seaver out of respect and dude, Hall of Fame dude. Um, he would he always spoke you know eloquently about you know where your hip has to be and da 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 da. Of course, I can't throw I can't throw the ball as hard as my wife can. I I've, I've married. Uh, I've got a three year anniversary coming up, and. Um, she can, she can, she can, with no warm up, throw throw a hard ball sixty miles an hour, wow. and I can't. If with a warm up, I can't. <laughs> but I do love the sport because it's like music. It's, right. it's got every element of of Zen uh, moments where this crazy little ball, something happens, and all nine people or ten counting the batter have a thing that they have to do to make it beautiful. Right. And and I just love it. It's like ballet for for the sports ballet. Mm-hmm. I love I'm a think it's, huge baseball fan too, so I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, people that say it's too slow just don't know enough about the game. You right. know, yeah, the guy's scratching his nuts, but there's no reason besides like a personal right. problem there. There's, right. there's right. things going on, there's a tension and it's just nice. It's a you know, you don't you don't watch it, you take it in, it's like it's like sitting out on a screen patio on a nice fall afternoon mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. th- that's what baseball is so that's what i was asking <laughs> about when you said people having these mechanical hiccups in their playing would you equate that to like a hiccup in their swing or like a hitch in their swing or something like that um but then also yeah. like if we can dive into the the mechanisms thing about sort of your your concept and your approach to that well, yeah, we could. I mean, it's it's not that the thing is, is like you can play your butt off as a musician with all kinds of there's all kinds of great players um, like like. Uh, there's piano players that play. What's his what's his name? Who's the guy that plays flat? Like you're supposed to have your your hands arched and oh, Vla, Vladimir uh, Vladdy. Uh, uh, anyway, he plays flat like a, like a five year old, you know, and the guy is like. Awesome. I mean, you can you can have all kinds of crazy hitches physically. Mm-hmm. What matters what what matters is the end result. And mechanisms, it's basically like a watch to me. Um, and what notes the drummer plays is the outer result of the inner workings of rhythm. Uh, it's just like the face of the watch, as most of them, most of us call them, watch face. They have you know. Second hand, hour hand, minute hand. That's, but the, if, if you put those and sent them off to keep time without anything behind them, they would have really bad time. And a lot of drummers, that's what they do. They, that's all they think they have. And so they, the hi hats may be their second hand. And then they, a lot of times, since that's playing more notes in a in a you know rock beat that you hear at the guitar center, um, then then the rest of the other two things, the right foot and the left hand follow that hi-hat. Now, that that innocence doesn't work professionally. You, mm-hmm. You're not going to have time. You know, you've got to have rhythms going on inside, and you've actually really got to be playing them with something, e- mentally or even physically. And it's it's that's why I made big time. It's 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 a course I could teach forever. And, and uh, for drummers that wonder is it me or the bass player or is the singer right did i really slow down well 
this will help you because you you will know because your body tells you you know it's it's like you don't ever have to walk into the control room and listen to playback of the of the take and know whether you were there or not you know mm -hmm. just, uh, so it removes that and and then you can be a musician you know you don't have to worry and uh, you can leave your lucky underwear in the drawer if you want to. <laughs> so is it is it sort of an idea of of being cognizant of not only the strokes that are actually hitting the drums, but all of the other things that are going on around that, like your upstrokes and 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 sort of everything moving fluidly. Um, yes, yes. There's notes that you don't play that could be notes, like the way you move your hands. Also, there's notes that the band plays. If, if you've got one or more band members that have great time, then you can incorporate them into your rhythmic world when you're mm. playing. Mm. You know, I want to hear all the guys that have time, you know. Right. In my monitor, for instance, you know, with Joan Osborne, when I was touring with her, she has great time. She lays way back like Sinatra, but she has great time. And she was loudest in my monitor. Next loudest was the, the people that were good. And I had none of me. I know how I sound. And I'm right on top of those, this beast, you know? Right, right, right. And, and so I don't need the bass drum of doom hitting me with the wolf, subwoofers. And, you know, I, it's like I know how, it, how that is, you know? And when you do a lot, enough recording, you really don't need to hear yourself, you know, because, you know, I can look at the microphones and unless, you know, it's Helen Keller out there at the console, I know, <laughs> I know what's going on, you know. So, so it's, it's, uh, but to make it simple, to make it an easy example is, for instance, if it's do, do, that, so it's like one, two, three, four, and out, and then this is going on. Ah, there's my breaths. I can make breaths. I can go. And I, I can also go. Once you put three over two or five over three, and, and you, when you can do that, which is something I highly recommend, um, when you can do that, and if you do it, like if you put those triplets, those trips over the, the duple, the two, like do it kind of it changes the feel of the hi hat. It changes it changes the, the kind of trough that you've built, um, and so it's really neat, and it gives you the security. You now have an army of rhythm that's marching together, mm -hmm. and and when you do that fill like. Uh, 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 I'm thinking someone saved my life tonight or something like that. You know, or oh, you knucklehead. Okay, so when you're doing that fill, uh, it's like it, you can, you can, you can go. So you can you can make it a busy fill and just play four notes because you can sing it and you can mouth it and you can breathe it. And by filling those spaces, you're not going to just lose your lose your pocket. 
Mm. And that's mechanisms. Mm -hmm. It's the same as like a a drummer on a drum set uh, carves a track and they go, hey, can you put tambourine on it? Because, you know, parentheses, they don't want to pay somebody else. Uh, And and so we grab the tambourine and we do it. And it's let's say it's just a hit on like, again, back to Elton John. Let's say it's a hit on four. And that's it. Now, if you're not wiggling, you're going to really be in trouble to hit that four nicely. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to wiggle. You have to dance. You're going to have to play a lot of notes that nobody's hearing. And that's how percussionists do it. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, so that's mechanisms. That reminds me Does of... that help? Yeah, totally. Totally. That reminds me of... So it's sort of in the same vein of when you're switching between instruments when you're playing in a percussion ensemble or when you're playing in marching. I never played in marching band, but I played in a ton of percussion ensembles. And when mm-hmm. you have when you have to set down one instrument and walk over and pick up another instrument, and they say that you should always do that in time. So you should count your steps. So you're one, two, pick up four, and go and move. Uh, in time rather than just setting the thing down and walking over and picking up, you know, the mallets or picking up the shaker or whatever it is. Uh, it's sort of, it's sort of reminded me of that. I don't, I'm not quite sure why, but it's sort no, of, no, you're right. I, yeah, you're right. I remember it makes me remember Joe Zolinol told me once that he can tell if a drummer can play by how he walks. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really, it is, there is a thing about rhythm and, and, um, it, the sad thing is, like, like when I watch movies with, like, my wife, who's, who's, I call, I would call her a civilian. She's just not a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but equally avid baseball fan, by the way, Mets. Let's go Mets. Uh, um, so, so I'm a, I'm a uh, Phillies fan, so I gotta. I gotta oh, okay. Oh, well, you're yeah. from Cincinnati, so we got the Pete Rose thing happening, so we're still. You know, we yeah, both, you did, man. That was good. Yeah, Cincinnati had him. We had him. So, like, yep. I'm, I'm cool. And anybody that does, anybody that doesn't say Mike Schmidt is the best, that anybody that says that Mike Schmidt is not the best third baseman of all time, I'm with you. I don't want to talk baseball with him. You're <laughs> man. You're. Brooks, it is not Brooks Robinson. They don't know what the hell is going on. Man, you are you are speaking my language, my friend. I'm a and they booed him. How could they do that? You guys boo that's people. That's what we do in Philadelphia. We boo everyone. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It's well, like it's you could all... be the greatest, and if you know, a second yeah. later you strike out, you are the worst baseball player in history. <laughs> they hate they hated Pat Burrell, and he was one of the best left fielders to ever play in Philadelphia, and led in a ton of categories. But they're like, you know, yeah. he did really well, and then when you start playing terribly, you're the worst, and people want to kill you. We threw, <laughs> I mean, we threw batteries and and snowballs at Santa, so. I know. You're anyway, <laughs> uh, so you were saying about your your wife, and she's a she. Oh well, yeah. When we watch, yeah, we'll, we'll watch a movie, and and I'll and I'll say, I'll go, what a terrible cue. And in other words, you know, like any music, and I don't hear any words. You know, it's it's. I have trouble, like, in pop music, words really matter. Um, if 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 they didn't matter, the Beach Boys would be as big as the Beatles. So it's proof that words really matter. And and at the same time, you've got, like for me, um, like when I was working with Robbie Robertson, I, he, I go, he goes, let's play this song. I go, I'm sorry, man. I don't know any of the words to what we've been playing. And, and he laughed and he said, well, yeah, me too. I remember, he, and he told me a story where he was recording with Bob Dylan with the band. And it was a take where, uh, like their third take, and Richard Benuel got his part 
saw it and the light bulbs were going off and Rob, according to Robbie, he looked at Bob and said, well, we just need one more and then we're going to have it. And Bob goes, no, that was the take. And Robbie goes, why? And Bob Dylan goes, because I got all the words right. <laughs> and Robbie told Bud then, told Bob Dylan, but Bob, nobody listens to the words. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so it's it's frustrating being loving music because it's I'm I'm like the you know the music is like my pipe piper you know, and I I do have a bit of. Uh, I guess ADD or whatever, you know, I, I, I'm very fast internally. I have a lot of quick little gears moving. And, and so if I meet someone, but if there's a rhythm or a, a, a sound or something, it's hard for me to stay on the con on the combo, man. You know, it's mm-hmm. weird. This session is brought to you by my friends at DW Drums, and I encourage any of you, if you're in the LA area, to go check out the DW Drums factory. You can see how they make all their drums. You can get to meet the people there. It's a really cool tour, and it's 45 minutes north of LA, so it's super easy to get there in Oxnard, California. They also they just make amazing gear, and now that they have all these other brands like LP and Gretsch, I encourage you to go and check out all of those other brands, and if you've already checked them out, just go give them a second look because they got some really innovative stuff going on all under that umbrella of DW and just great people over there who are running it. So check them out, dwdrums.com. Now, if you're looking for something big and something ugly, then Sabian has got the symbols for you. They just extended their big and ugly line to include an 18-inch AA sick hats. They're super dry. They have 28 holes in them from virtually no airlock. Plus, there's other big and uglies like a 14-inch, 16-inch AA Apollo hats and 14-inch XXR Monarch hats, all sorts of stuff that they just released under their new big and ugly line. So you can check them out at Sabian.com forward slash big ugly, and it's an 18 inch hi-hat how can you not like it so definitely check it out sabian.com forward slash big ugly also evans reminds you to let no circle box you in the level 360 has the most consistent fit for your drum so you can get greater tonal range effortless tuning and the freedom to express yourself any way you want you can learn more about evans and their 360 heads at evansdrumheads.com now let's get back into it with the one and only billy ward Do you consider yourself, you're just a drummer and that's not just a drummer, but that's the only thing in life that you could do to make you happy. I think that because I think that some people have other interests and, and some people are like, nope, I, drumming is the, uh, that's it. And I'm an artist and, and well, that's how I consider myself. Yeah. I think I, art really matters to me. Um, I, I really, I, I, uh, it's not just drumming, though. I, I would be happy. Uh, I would miss the physicality of drumming mm-hmm. and and stop for a while uh, in the last few years uh, and and miss miss that. Uh, but if 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 I'm making music, I mean, see, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I enjoy engineering. I enjoy producing. Uh, I enjoy trying to solve songwriting issues uh, mm-hmm. if, if someone wants me in on that level. Uh, and, 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 and what I really feel like I, you know, I, I, ha- I do, I know I can, I know I'm pretty, pretty good as a drummer. Um, 
But at the same time, I think I'm really good as a teacher. I feel like my life has led to uh, a, led me to a place where what I really have to give back is my experience, and it's and because of my diversity, it is diverse, and and um, I know I can help people in that regard, and and um, so I'm I'm kind of excited about what's coming up for me because I, uh, I'm, you know, back in the 207, 2007, 2008 and 05 and all that when big time came out and voices in my head, those two videos and the book. And I was writing almost monthly for modern drummer magazine. And, and it was all, uh, really exciting time. And, and, uh, and, and I was, I was touring, but I never wanted to tour, a lot because I wanted to stay married and uh, these guys get divorces, man, you know, and I yeah. can't blame them. It's lonely out there. It's horrible. And these people would kill their mothers for the gig, but they don't understand how grueling it can be uh, mm-hmm. in an odd way. Uh, you know, I think the Nashville but, guys got it figured out, man. They do that Nashville touring system. They leave Wednesday night in their home Sunday, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But you know, I, I, that's uh, most of yeah. That's not a, an area that I care about <laughs> um, <laughs> musically. Let's just leave it at that. And um, the the anyway. So that's I don't know where I was going, but um, well, you were oh, saying about about not wanting to tour and you were writing a lot and, and yeah, you know, yeah. Now now in my life, you know, I uh, my first wife died. A lot of people then died, my whole family, basically, uh, and my best friend, Bill Miller, the at the time managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. Everybody just kind of tapped on me, and uh, I'd been married for like 25 years, and she took ill, and she was the healthiest person I ever knew, and uh, leukemia took her away, and, and I turned down all work in caring for her, and it just sent me into a spiral when she was gone, um, and uh, so... Now that I'm happy again, finally, thank you, God, uh, and married and wanting to uh, share and pass it on and everything. I mean, do I want to be on a bus with stinky men? No. Um, So I'm going to try to, it looks like I'm going to China to teach maybe for a week or two. Nice. Sometime soon, um, which is going to be really weird. Uh, and but most of my work now is here uh, in the New York City area at my studio, where I can record and produce and teach. And uh, the level of teaching I want to do is on the internet. And I want it to be for gifted musicians that want to be a better that want to be better drummers. Or perhaps gifted, uh, maybe they, they have a side interest in electronics and recording techniques. Um, and I'm looking towards building this group as a, uh, you could call it like an internet-based masterclass. And I'm really excited about it. So, nice. you know, there's always going to be playing and, and never say never when it comes to touring or whatever. But... Uh, some of the most fun experiences I've had have been doing clinics and master classes, and I, I want to try and keep, that, especially master classes, because it's 
less entertainment and more teaching. Mm-hmm. It's really, I am not easy. You know, <laughs> uh, somebody gets a lesson from me, I'm going to beat them up, you know, because that's my job. My job is not to hold their hand and tell them they're good uh, unless they really are. But, uh, you know, there's always something that could be uh, checked on and improved. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, it's really, I believe, I believe it in not being too easy on people with that. Right. So, so anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. We have a, uh, uh, I have a deadline, self-imposed deadline of, of uh, January, the NAM show in 17, this, this January, mid-January, as being when my website gets released. And, and I'm hoping that that happens in time, uh, just because I can't stand waiting for anything. I have no patience. So it'll be fun once it happens. And, and we'll see who wants to come in and participate. And uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, so, so just keep an eye out, please, for, mm-hmm. at, at BillyWard.com. And, and uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter also, Billy Ward Drums. And I love Twitter. It suits my attention span. Uh, one sentence and you're out, you know, yeah. dig it. And, and uh, the, the, uh, also, I kind of, I'm kind of piddling around on YouTube as Billy Ward Drums as well. And, uh I may join Facebook again. I'm supposed to. I I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I I'll probably join Facebook again because it's the only. It's the super highway of of connecting. You know. Right. Um, right. And I so, think a lot of people would want to see you on there, and see what yeah. you have going on. I, yeah. I now Nick. Where, what's that? Nick, where do you live? Where do you? Are you? Are you? Do you live in Philly? Uh, no, I live in Hoboken, actually. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm in the New York City well, area. You know, I might be, I could be possibly coerced into uh, sharing a lesson with you, giving you a lesson. Let's you do it. Where, so where, <laughs> where are you? I live in Katona. It's an hour north of the city. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, you could come here and see the pad. Man, I would or, be, I would be honored. That would, I, I'm definitely into that. Let's, when we, okay. When we uh when we sign off we'll uh we'll hook that up because okay. I'm I'm definitely okay. interested in doing that. Yeah. Um. So I wanted I wanted to go back a little bit. You had talked about uh, how you sort of went through an amazingly rough time in your life with your wife passing and your friends passing, and without we don't have to get into great detail, but I I do want to talk about sort of the the dark time that you went through and how you got out of that because i think that there's a lesson to be learned in that and i think that you know you could have sort of packed it up and and never sort of never been heard from again but you've come out on the other side and now like we talked earlier you're happy you're excited about the future you have a bunch of things going on and you're you're getting back in the game so to speak um so can you just sort of talk about that that journey a little bit and maybe some advice that you have for people who are also going through some some things in their life that may not be drumming related, but are but are hitting them kind of hard. Well, you know, one there's all kinds of pain that the world inflicts on us, and uh, as the phrase goes, a great wrestler gets knocked down many times. Um, I feel, in my case, it was. Everybody dying. My uh, after you know, two months before my wife died, Bill Miller from Modern Drummer died, 
after she died, uh, my dog died. Then my sister died that August from a brain tumor. Then my mom and dad died, uh, you know, and, and I was just, I was so in love with my wife. It was just very hard to deal. And I had to gather my strength. Just what I, I lived in Manhattan. My studio was there and I had a great cat and, but, and great friends, but they were our friends, you know, and mm -hmm. our was gone. So I had done a record in Nashville and they, a couple of the blue chip guys said, move down here. And so I did. And just for a change of scenery. And I rented a house from a very generous friend named Nico Bolas, who's a producer. Uh, and, uh, so uh, the thing is, though, in the South, uh, I found it so far away from New York. It was more like Japan. In Japan, people never say no. Mm -hmm. It's always yes, yes, smile, smile, you know. Uh, the, the Southern politeness of, you know, never saying no to it. Essentially, I consider myself a New Yorker, uh, was rough for me. And, and um, I had... I had a couple of great gigs, namely, especially with the Time Jumpers, this great band with Vince Gill and it's Texas Swing and, uh, you know, like Bob Wills and, and other just, just excellence, excellence, highly, highly recommend. But the whole, uh, the whole country scene, you know, their so-called country music, uh, it's not Merle Haggard. It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's McDonald's and I have zero interest in it. And I don't want my chicken McNugget today the same as it was yesterday. In fact, I don't want that freaking thing ever. Right. And the patch bays in the studios are never changed. And sounds are the sounds and songs are the songs and the beards are the beards and the boots are the boots. So I escaped there and came back home. And in the meanwhile, while I was down there in New York, I met someone who's awesome and we got married uh, three years ago. So uh, that's how you do it. You just get lucky and find a way to crawl out and and decide to, uh, you know, I always had a lot of support. I just was never able to say okay throughout this entire time. Uh, my, my, my sponsoring companies were all my friends, you know, Daddario, Zildjian, drum workshop, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, family, uh, just uh, Promark. Um, so I've done nothing for them <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, you know? Right. And uh, uh, anyway, so well, I just, you know, I'm just looking now at forward and it's, it's really nice. It's a good feeling. And, and, you know, I am so moved by what, you know, the, about what Dylan said about my, his lessons with me. And that's what really, uh, as Mark Cranny would call it, that's, that really butters my muffin. Right. To hear, to hear, to hear that I've touched someone and changed their lives for the better is really all I care about at this point, because right. that's what, that's what it's all about, man. Mm -hmm. Love. And I will say that, you know, as as a drummer, I'm glad that that you're 
back on the scene and and you're sort of getting your hands dirty again but on a personal level you know frankly you and i don't don't know each other at all and this is the the only conversation we've ever had but but on a personal level i'm happy for you and i'm i'm happy to see that that you're happy again and that you're just living life man and not you know drumming aside just like it's bigger than drumming so i'm 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 happy for you and i'm happy that you were gracious enough to to come on to the show and talk about all of this stuff and and be open about it so so uh congrats to that and uh and yeah just really happy to hear it thanks so much nick i feel like we probably lost him when we went off on the baseball tangent but I really had a great time speaking with you. Hey, really, man, that's really good. that's what we're you know the conversation goes where it goes. So before, but okay. before we sign off, I want to. So if if people want to learn more about you, if they want to find your your books and DVDs, if they want to study with you, uh, what's the best way to sort of get in touch with you? Keep an keep an eye on what's going on when your new site is launched. I'm gonna I'll let everybody know about that as well. Um, but in the okay. meantime, but in the meantime, what's the best well, we're way gonna... to get up with you? I think it's billyward.com right now. We're going to be putting up a page in a week or two, maybe less, that will have a contact place. Okay. And so if they go there, uh, they'll see it, and then we can be in touch. And, and uh, of course, you have my email, Addy, anyway, for anyone that you run into that goes, hey, how do I reach them? Right. But uh, – I'm just afraid of getting swamped. You know, I left Facebook before because it was just so many people. Uh, it was kind of overwhelming to me. But mm-hmm. also, again, I was in the middle of a a, a grief storm, you know. Right. So uh, anyway, that's that's good, billyward.com. And while the site will be open for business in January, there there will be things before then on the contact page, including ways to reach me and write to me. So, uh, and that'll be up really soon. Okay. So I'll just, I'll direct everybody there. And I have one more question for you because I think everyone would kill me if I didn't ask. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your, I, I ask everybody what their approach to practicing is. So not specific things that they practice, but how to structure their practice routine, because I think there's so much information out there that it becomes overwhelming. And I like to hear everybody's ideas and that way people can sort of pick and choose which parts of people's practice routine they want to implement in their own. So what's your, do you have quick and dirty uh, okay. tips and approaches yeah. to practicing? Uh, actually, I'm laughing because I thought you were going to ask me what Ozzy was really like. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I practice playing and, and it, it has, uh, best, best place to see it is, is my explanation is in the uh, interview portion of the MD Fest 2008, where I think I best explained it there. Uh, there's practicing and there's playing, and there's a whole different kind of war or pleasure going on when you're really playing than when you're practicing. And and so, if you don't practice playing, then you get a, you become a good practicer, and you can have sort of a career doing that, uh, and maybe be okay. But you're never going to really be playing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's right side, left side brain, and it's it's. What I do is I empty myself of anything and just play anything. And then I build a composition. In other words, and that's it. And it's nothing, it's based on absolutely nothing, random. It could be throw the sticks in the air and wherever they land, that's my first two drums. Play a piece and 
the difference being that when you mess up, you stop and work on that. And that's something your playing self asked you to play. Because when you're playing in that band, when you're jamming on stage or in the rehearsal room, a lot of drummers, they practice with their peers instead of play with them. They go, okay, they think that Elvin Jones called it I thoughts. They come out with a thought that starts with I. I'm going to do my double bass here. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to do this fill here. Oh, I'm going to go here. So if you're really playing, you're not really having those I thoughts. You're just kind of moving through the composition. Um, sure, you look at roadmaps and you know the bridge is coming and you're going to change to the floor tom there or something. But that's about it. Uh, and and if you only do practicing when the playing bug hits you and your endorphins are moving and you're being creative, your body won't know how to respond. So it's hard to explain. It's something I'll probably try to teach by by showing it, in my case, and others in my teaching room on the Internet showing it also. And, and it's, it's something I'm very excited about, explaining better, because... I, like Sean Pelton says, it's the best thing I've ever done is is teaching practice playing, and and it, he may be right. I, it's it's really cool once you get into it. Hmm. And I'll uh, I'll link to or I'll include the the video from the Modern Drummer Festival in the show notes so that people can check that out so they can they can watch that and and learn more about that as well. So that's I think, great. That, that's I think great. That would be a good. And uh, so I also saw in August that you were. Uh, you were looking for a public apology from Ozzy Osbourne, and I wanted to know if you ever got that, or did you get your signable? <laughs> and did you get your signable contract from him yet? <laughs> no, when I was with when I was when I was with Joe, you know, it doesn't happen often, thank God. But it doesn't really bother me. It's it's you know, it's pretty awesome that that Bill made he made such an impact, you know, as such right. a great drummer on 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 people, and and you know. That's that's great, you know. That's just great. One of the funny things is though, when I was working with Joan, uh, they, somebody come up and go, "Is is is she's uh is she Ozzy's daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> and 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 a lot, sometimes if I was in the mood, you know, what you get into when you're touring, I just say, "Yes, I work with all the Osbournes." I do. I I work with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> they just hired anyway. they i've a i've a just a blanket contract with all of them <laughs> so billy uh again thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it it was great to chat with you it was great to get to know you uh, i'm glad that you're back on the scene as i know a lot of people are and i strongly encourage people to go check out billyward.com check out the show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 206 and you can uh get links to everything that we talked about especially that that modern drummer festival video and again billy thank you so much and and anytime you want to come back you are more than welcome i would love to have you Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye, everybody. It was my Thank pleasure. You. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. There you have it, the one and only Billy Ward. And to the links for everything that we chat about, 
Check out drummersresource.com forward slash session 206. Also, if you want that five-part email series to help you get bigger gigs, higher profile gigs, and more exciting gigs, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash gigs. It's a five-part email series that I'll send you 100% free. And if you haven't already, leave a rating and review for the podcast. I would appreciate it. You can just go to iTunes, click on rating and review, and either write a review or just leave you know, a one-star, two-star, three-star, five-star review. I prefer a five-star, but if the show sucks leave a one star and uh until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace